We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you live on YouTube uh, Wednesday evening. It's January 17th, and we're going to get into this 124 117 uh, Wolves win in Detroit on Wednesday night. Uh, a bunch of different kind of topics to get into with this one. I thought it was a really good Jaden game. Rudy played uh, really well. It was kind of the first test in a while against a bad team. Uh, which is which is always a little interesting uh, for this for this Wolves group. Um, we're going to get into some of those topics, talk about the game, Kyle and I, and then those of you who are um, in the YouTube chat. We're going to try and answer uh, a bunch of questions, uh, kind of maybe about thirty minutes from now uh, or so. So stick around for that. Pop back in uh, later if you want to have your questions answered. We got Kyle Tiggy here with me. What's up, Kyle? I was just tweeting out the link. Um, one bit of, of housekeeping from you've been all over pods this week, right? Like you did one with with Britt and you did one with Chris and you're going with Jace on Friday. But uh, you were a special guest on our friends Crunch Wears No Pants. I was, yeah. And uh, I just want to clarify for the listeners out there because I got a lot of responses. Uh, I am also over six foot. Uh, you were like, I'm the only one covering the team, Dane, uh, that's over six feet. Well, you got to get out to Minnesota to... I, uh, if you if you believe in rounding up, which I always do, I'm closer to six two than I am to six foot. So uh, again, just wanted to clear that up. But uh, yeah, you also said too at the top when you introed this uh, that this was their first kind of real experience or game against a bad team. That Blazers game, yeah, was that's the worst. <laughs> I blacked that out of my memory. I mean, right. you called me that night. And you're like, that's the worst team I think, and they had some injuries and stuff and rebuilding. But that was the worst team I've ever watched in seven years of covering basketball. Was that Blazers roster? The Pistons tonight, you know, 124, 117, Wolves win to move to 29 and 11. But that Pistons team has players. Now, will they sell at the deadline, you know, Burks and Bogdanovich and stuff? But they have like real NBA guys. Like Ivy could be special. Whatever the Blazers throw out there at Target Center was, I the Iowa Wolves would have competed against them for sure. So <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the Pistons are like young and feisty and, like they Terribly do kind coached. of have, yeah, well maybe uh, they do have like, it is their group, right. Kind mm -hmm. of of the mm -hmm. future. Whereas like 
that's what made the Portland game so boring is it was just listless because Portland was, you know, they're just, I, I hadn't watched a seen a game like that where there was just so much disinterest from, you know, the, the players out there and it was a back-to-back for Portland and all that, but that team is in a bad place. Not to say that the now four and 37 Detroit Pistons are in a better one. They're literally on pace for eight wins this season. Um, but yeah, they gave they gave the Wolves a, a little bit more maybe than we would have expected if we were expecting kind of um, a Portland type of game. They they needed they needed some some things. They needed a few players to actually treat it like a real game and to play all the way through. And the the two I guess three players I would say that that stood out to me that did that in this game. And this isn't to take away from Cat and Ant who had really strong offensive games, but there was kind of that. From Rudy and Nikhil and Jaden, there was there was kind of that like not messing around element of it. Particularly, I thought um, with Rudy right off the you know from the beginning of the game, right? He was kind of dominant on the interior, finding ways to be able to score there. And I think that's kind of indicative of not just who Rudy has been this season, but like for his whole career, as as all the different things you know people can poke holes in in Rudy's game I mean he's got to be up there right as one of the most serious basketball players in the NBA like professional I'm coming here I'm doing work we're getting wins and and that's what he's done you know for for his whole career and with a you know on a team that has a 22 year old who just from being 22 maybe his focus can wander a little bit uh, game to game or opponent to opponent that element of Rudy, I've just really grown in my appreciation of just a pro, you know, and and that provides a floor for this team. Or me and Britt or me and Chris were talking about it the other day where I just don't have that same worry or concern about the bottom really falling mm-hmm. out for this mm-hmm. team. And so much of that, I think, um, has to do with Rudy and, and his ability to you know, just that you can expect he's going to kind of deliver in uh, in a game even like this against a team. He knows that you got to win these games. You want to be the one seed. And and he plays like that. I think a lot of credit to him there. I think Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson are two of the most mature, just great veterans in the league. And I still think Rudy Gobert is the most mature player on the team. Like if you were just doing a maturity standpoint, and that's nothing against Kyle or Mike, but Rudy just... I think it's partly the reason he gets clowned a lot just on social. He's just a very serious guy, right? He just, his Instagram is full of cat photos. He, uh, he just <laughs> takes his job really seriously. And when he's out there, uh, I mean, again, too, this was another one of those games. The Pistons have some younger bigs, but it was kind of like that Blazers game where it's just, they have no one. I mean, it was Mike Muscala for most of it, right? Like there's just no one to really slow him down, but he just, yeah, he has that blue, blue collar, you know, what is it? Lunch pail mentality where he just yeah. shows up and he kind of sets the tone. I know that is a cliche thing to say, but you go to all these games too. Right? I think he literally sets the tone. Like when he's out there, right. I mean, he was uh, not, he wasn't a team best because Mike wasn't at a plus 20, but he was plus 12. And he just, when he's out there, Finch just feels more secure. And anytime he like subs Rudy out, but then team goes on a little run, he just throws Rudy back into the fire. So I thought it was a really great game by him and just, Again, he shows how mature he is. He shows that he really wants to win. 
we gone are the days there was like i guess one random moment in this game where he kind of wanted the ball he had killian hayes on him or whatever yeah but i remember that he just wants to win these games uh he's not 26 anymore he's not really worried about stats he got his tonight 19 and 16 but yeah just a really good performance by him uh and you're continuing to see whether it's utah rudy or an advanced version of utah rudy he just is i mean i we're not getting into this, but I think he's the team's MVP on the whole season. Like, as good as Ant has been and Carl and those guys will probably lead the chances of making All-Star games, what Rudy does night in and night out is just incredible. Uh, and he yeah, really I, I like that. I, I've been thinking a lot about the, you know, and, and almost not even wanting to ha- really have the conversation of, like, if we had to pick two All-Stars from this Wolves team, you know, which two of the three would you pick? Because you can't, like, you could make arguments for, kind of any pairing mm-hmm. of the two maybe ant is the most i don't know the one we expect to get it the most but that it's kind of that's the distinction right there's like the all there's an all-star so maybe the stars are cat and ant but yeah the value val- most valuable mm-hmm. of the three it's not hard to make an argument that it's gobert particularly when we know what the foundation of this team is. The identity of this team is, is its defense, which is as dominant as it is, not just because of Rudy Gobert, but certainly would not be the same um, without him. He's, he's, he's up there, man. He, he's up there for sure. I think it's, it's underrated. Just like kind of listening around, yeah. you know, you hear more of the, the all-star talk and, you know, a, a bunch of people get snubbed and stuff, but that, Rudy's kind of like already put in the snub bin, like not even really being considered for it. I, I think that I don't think that fairly captures what his value uh, to the team has been, even if that doesn't make him necessarily an all star. There was a there was a good little video today from the podcast that Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce do. And Kevin Garnett was like all in like Rudy Gobert has to be in the mix for an all star spot. And again, it's kind of that blind resume I always joke about with March Madness that if you just took Gobert's name off the stats and you said that guy is leading the number one defense in the league for the number one team in the West, which as they wake up tomorrow morning, we're doing this late on January 17th, but they wake up tomorrow, January 18th, they will have been in first place for two months. And what was it? They had been in first place for like 30 total days in 34 years. Now they've been in first place in the West for 60 some days. Uh, so yeah, just I, I'm with you. I think this team deserves to have three All Stars. I'm sure we'll get into All Star stuff later this month. But uh, Coop's doing a great job. Cooper Carlson, who does all our behind the scenes stuff in YouTube, I've seen a lot of comments. I want to just throw this out there quick that the team sleptwalk tonight. Uh, it wasn't a good performance. I agree with all that. <laughs> like, yeah, right. If, sure. if, you, if you if you just tune into this and you just saw a box going like 124, 117, what the hell? Uh, I don't think it was that close. It was never really in doubt. Um, when they really needed to, they got an 8-0 run towards the end of the fourth quarter to kind of ice it. But if you thought they slept walk, they did. If you thought they played with their food, they did. I don't know how you break that because, again, when I watch other teams, like I watched the Warriors kind of play with their food against the Grizzlies the other night on, I think it was TNT or NBA TV, and then they lost the game. Uh, you just, I think Johnny K had it, like it's just kind of human nature sometimes. It's not ideal. You would love for them to just blow every team out, but mm-hmm. I don't think 124-117 was as close as the final score said. I thought that game was pretty much in hand for most of it, uh, even though I did get a little nervous at the end of the third. <laughs> yeah, they, well, then that's when they made the run, kind of yeah. like late third, early fourth. You're like, okay, I put my notes. Finally, some separation, yep. you know, in, in the score there. But yeah, I, I, if we want to 
nitpick it. Like there's a, they could have used that little eight minute stretch literally at any time earlier in the game. And if you would have got up to by 14 points in early in the third quarter or in the second quarter, it would have, I think it's fair to say it probably would have broke Detroit there. So the best comment on YouTube right now is from Wombo Combo. And it was just a, this is what I was thinking going into this, kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. It was like, this was the two mentalities. Like, cool, you beat the Pistons. Or holy shit, it's time for a players-only meeting. That's pretty much the only two outcomes of this. Uh, and we are on, like, what, 382 days removed from the last players-only meeting this team had after they lost to the Pistons. So I think they lost to the Pistons twice last year in their two games. This year, that's been, we've talked about this all, all season, leading up to the season, their Achilles heel has been playing down to the competition and losing those games you would have loved to have seen them play a little better tonight but they win and i think i saw jim pete say they're now 12 and 2 against teams under 500 so can't really ask for too much more than that uh tonight we can get into it it stood out to me that the offense was just junk (laughs) like just so much iso and getting into the late in the shot clock um again that's part of just not taking your opponent probably very seriously but another win right I, I tweeted out they were 29 and they're 29 and 11. They're 29 and 53 back in 15, 16. That's the year that Kevin Garnett came back. So Jeez. we still have come a long way, but they, they have things to work on. And this is kind of part of the continuous every other day that Dane does a pot. It's like the offense, man, got to get more movement, got to get more cutting, got to get more structure in there. Because when it's just heavy, heavy ISO, it's just so gross to watch. Yeah, well, it just it kind of opens up room for volatility right Mm -hmm. then you're just like is this is this a game where we're making shots or not making shots right and when they are moving the ball that it leads to the shots that they're generating our higher percentage looks more of the like 100 percent looks the rudy dunks the hitting somebody on a cut or the they got some of these you know the catch and shoot looks for carl where you go we'll take that every single time they generated some of that not enough and that you know and that's the yeah, that's the thing. If you're like, this game should have been over in the first half. Yeah, it's because they didn't they didn't do enough of that. They settled and we're just OK. Um, mm-hmm. And but just being OK is is all that you needed to, you know, all you needed to have in in this game against a again, now you, a four and thirty seventeen. So Carl finishes with twenty seven points on ten of seventeen, five for five from three. Kind of want to touch on that before we close down shop. But let's get into you said you had three guys that you really thought stood out. Rudy yeah, let me uh, let me grab you, the yeah. let me grab the first break first. We'll get into that. I want to Jaden and Carl um, okay. coming up for for sure as is the two people I, I'd like to hit on. Uh, the the first thing I want to say is we have two tickets to give away for the game uh, tomorrow night against uh, the the Memphis Grizzlies. We're giving away these tickets to Patreon subscribers uh, all year. They're lower level seats, kind of mid court, middle of you know middle of the the lower level. There, they're really nice seats. Um, if it is, uh, if you are available to go tomorrow night, it is a 9 p.m. game. Uh, you know, just send us a message on Patreon that you are available. and We'll pick somebody randomly from there. And if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA. Um, Kyle, let's also, as we do, um, <laughs> let's talk about some English muffins here. Oh, my God. This is, this is becoming a, a weekly this is my favorite it. segment in of all of all of podcasting. I just Stone finished and up the stuff and muffin ones that are like Thanksgiving-ish themed. Oh, oh, so good. Stoneandskillet.com. Um, it is English. It is English muffins. Um, they're delicious English muffins. They're 
not your just empty nothingness English muffins. Um, it's a it's a it's a brand with a, a cool story too, and I was excited to um, be able to you know have this be a sponsor for the show because one, I already had these English muffins at my house. Um, you can purchase them at Whole Foods, and so I had already purchased these, and so when they reached out, I'm like, this is this is wild. Um, I I'm a big English muffin fan. I'm already a fan of your product, um, so. It, it was cool. And I think uh, I, I love their story about uh, these three brothers kind of starting this uh, in Boston and it's kind of taken off on the East Coast and they're kind of moving uh, to the to the Midwest here. So we want to help kind of spark some business for them. You can do that at stoneandskillet.com. Um, if you do go to stoneandskillet.com and purchase them with our promo code uh, Dane, that gets you 20 percent off. If you don't want to do that, just uh, go try them. Uh, at Whole Foods as well. Again, that's Stone and Skillet, uh, stoneandskillet.com, promo code Dane. If you want to know if those are good, I'll <laughs> tell you how I know they're good because you know this. I didn't have power all weekend because we're going through an ice storm. And also just a quick shout out. This They're not a sponsor, but just shout out to the Midwest in general because I love living on the West Coast now and all the people out here are pretty nice, but they don't have a damn clue how to handle the forecast of snow, let alone actual snow. Long story short, trees down, wind. I'm without power. I'm losing my mind. I can't watch football. So I ate two stone and skilled English muffins without even toasting them. Just raw dogged it, and it was fantastic. And that's when I was like, okay, I will eat these for the rest of my life. So stone and skillet. Stone and skillet.com. Um, all right, Kyle, let's uh let's do Jaden next. Uh, I mean I don't want to brush team? over. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh. want to brush over Carl, who's I think made 17 of his last 24 threes. We'll, we'll talk about him, but uh, Jaden first thing when I'm looking at this box score is the nice little zero under the personal fouls column. Um, and that somewhat unsurprisingly uh, led to 23 points, uh, eight of 11 shooting for him, three of those three or four from deep. So five of seven from two, he looked comfortable, man, uh, when he's playing off the dribble and able to kind of hit that first off the dribble shot. Mm -hmm. I feel like that he's a confidence player. That And what a confidence player means is like that confidence can wane sometimes. And it's, you know, and then when it's not there, that's how we get the one for 10 games that happen from him sometimes. But tonight I, I thought he was he took advantage of a group of players that he knew he could score against. And and that is always good to see from Jaden. It's that reminder, you know, like a couple of those threes uh, late in the second quarter were like off the dribble, step back sort of moves. I tweeted those out if people want to check those, check that out somewhere on my feed there. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought every time it's just that that Chris Finch sort of truism of if Jaden, you know, has a big game offensively, if they find Jaden in the offense, it, it often leads to a win and leads to good overall offense. I know we were kind of like, eh, you know, it was a little sticky with the ball. They still, you know, they still had a 126.5 offensive rating in this game. I mean, it was extremely efficient offense, even if sticky at times. Maybe some of that had to do um, with just the, the opponent there. But, but Jaden field the offense uh, a good amount in a game where I thought, you know, Ant wasn't super efficiently scoring that Mike was struggling sort of in, in the first half there. So shout out Jaden McDaniels. I thought, because he said his name, I thought it was Mike Conley's worst game of the season. I like put that did... down in my notes too. And then I looked up the plus minus and he's a, he's a plus 20, Ant's a plus five, Rudy's a plus 12, Towns is a plus seven, and McDaniels is a plus four. So it's like, 
I don't know. They win that, with Conley on the floor. Isn't isn't that just crazy? I think about this all the time. You did your you did your historic NBA draft with the Crunch Wars No Pants guys. I was just thinking, how cool is it to be covering Mike Conley? Like yeah, it's not in his sure. prime, but he's still just awesome. And I had that in my notes. And then yeah, it's funny that like I don't I don't think it's a bad thing to say Mike had maybe his worst game of the season. He had a couple weird turnovers and then a couple times where it felt like he was kind of going mono mono and forced a couple shots that didn't go in and just frustrated. It's like, so Mike played bad and was a team best plus 20. Like, that is the Mike Conley experience. Uh, but for Jaden, I mean, he he cooked Bogdanovich. He had in the first half two what I like to call Carmelo threes, where you kind of pull your hands back, you know, like right by right in front of the team's bench. Uh, he was great. And then that was like, because you're watching the game, you're watching all 48, about the clearest sign of when I get frustrated about him not rebounding. He's just constantly guarding the team's best player, and he's constantly on the perimeter, right? Like, so if you look at his stat line, like zero assists, two rebounds. I mean, he was kind of the offensive finisher, right? Like, there wasn't a lot of even opportunities for him to get assists. I also thought too, just randomly, Detroit was really packing the paint, so there wasn't like the lob to Rudy was never there. There just wasn't, and that's probably something that's going to come up in April and May as teams are going to dare Minnesota to still, you know, what did they shoot tonight? Fifty percent from three, fifteen of thirty, but. Uh, I think teams are going to make him do that more often. So he was great. I see some comments that he needs to be more consistent. Absolutely. Uh, it goes back to what Finch just said earlier in the season. Grady and Jim talked about it during the call, but he is the barometer for their offense. If if he's going, it probably is a good sign that they're going. And pace was a little up and down. Obviously, Detroit didn't bring a lot of defense, but 32 assists is is 32 assists. So Pretty impressive performance by him. When he makes threes, it just opens up so much for this team because a lot of times, you know, it's either Carl and Ant, and they don't always have a ton of spacing. So I thought he was phenomenal. I thought he was phenomenal on defense. And, yeah, to play 30 minutes and not have any fouls, like you kind of got to say that's a step in the right direction. Cat, uh, 27, 6, and 4. He was 5 for 5 from 3. Uh, that makes him 17 of 24 in his last five games. Uh, from deep, and one one thing I had had been uh, complaining about was the Anderson McLaughlin and Gobert minutes. Um, right when Jamek kind of got mm-hmm. back into the to the rotation, I was like, "This isn't it. Um, it's just <laughs> it's too little shooting out there." And you know the the reason for that, or how they kind of just naturally flowed, if you will, into that uh, rotation was what Rudy normally checks out of the game with Mike, like the first or second sub of the game. And then he comes back in late first or to start the second quarter. And so Rudy's out there with whoever the second unit is and was, and that's has, you know, largely worked over the course of the season, but the shift that uh, has happened in the rotation over the last, I don't know, two, two and a half weeks is Jordan McLaughlin is in the, in the rotation and, and kind of replaced Troy Brown, who is a shooter. Mm-hmm. So now, Whoever the center is that's playing with the second unit is playing with Kyle Anderson and Jordan McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. It took a couple of games, but they flipped that now. Rudy's playing a little bit longer. Carl's the first big out of the game, you know, in the first half or the second half there. So he comes back in and plays with the second unit. And I just like that second unit a hell of a lot more. Cat, Nas, um, Anderson, Alexander Walker, and McLaughlin. That just makes a hell of a lot more sense from a shooting and spacing standpoint it's still going to get be tough because that's still two players 
um, that you're, you know, that the opponent isn't guarding. But uh, I think that's a, a, a wise tweak that uh, was due, you know, and I, I think we can kind of anticipate that to be the, you know, the thing going forward. I thought it was interesting in the second half, you know, Carl was rolling to start the, the third quarter. So he takes the long stint in the third quarter, which means Rudy was out with the bench players in the second half. Well, what happened? Jordan McLaughlin didn't play. So I do think like, obviously I was not at the game, so not able to, you know, ask Finch the question, but I think it's pretty easy to connect those breadcrumbs that that's, you know, that's what's, what's going on there. And I think that's a cap cap playing with the second unit with, with McLaughlin. He's shooting the hell out of the ball right now. Um, Again, 17 to 24 from three in the last five games. So, this is what you do when you're a good team, mm-hmm. right? You make these little small tweaks um, over the, the course of the season that most improve, even if marginally, your your biggest areas of weakness. And and that's this is a way to get more offense or to avoid, rather, those six-minute stretches where it's like, I have no idea how this team's going to score the ball. Yeah. Because that's becoming a thing just broadly whenever Anthony Edwards is, is off the floor, this team – recently is has struggled to score this second unit i think is is the best second unit that this team with this roster construction can run right now kind of having some fun with numbers i know we're only halfway through january but uh in december he averaged 20 points a game he's up to 24 points a game so december 20 points a game january 24 points a game uh four threes attempted per game in december he's up to a little over five in january again five minus four is one but I just think that uptick, we've talked about it before, right? Throughout the season that Carl Anthony Towns is probably this team's ceiling. Maybe the veterans are their floor. Gobert might be their floor, but Carl mm-hmm. opens up that ceiling. Uh, five for five is incredible. It's still, like, not enough. Again, you're trying to nitpick a game that they win and it was never in doubt. But I just think, again, five is, like, Well, the pick and pop was there, right? Like, yeah. they were, well, they, there was the a couple, yeah. yeah, there's just a couple of times where Carl got it on the... And that one, like he caught himself, he had the jab, and then mm-hmm. he stepped back. He's like, "No, I need to shoot this right." And then there was one, like a couple possessions later. This is probably like first quarter or second quarter or something, um, where he did drive, and I was like, "And it was one of those where he like probably got fouled on his way to the basket. He fell over, uh, and did pop up and run back." I was just thinking, I was like, "Man, Carl, you know, it just would have been saved a lot of effort here. Just shooting it, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. what is the." particularly when you're hot it's like and you're probably gonna hit that top of the key barely open popping three 50 percent of the time you know what it to then for the drive to be just as valuable there you need to be able to make that at a 75 percent clip like and that's just a really high bar to drive and navigate through the defense it's it's you know we're, we're not ripping on cats three-point shooting right now because no, it's, it's i want more of it. it's just <laughs> yeah. like and, and I thought what he did was recognize that he was like, okay, um, we, we talked about this after the Clippers game. It wasn't a it wasn't a driving game. It was a shooting game. Carl that clicked in in Carl's head early in the first half of that Clippers game, and it made a difference. Mm-hmm. Tonight, I thought it was kind of the the same thing uh, was required. And yep, could have been more than five, but five for five. I'm not gonna complain about that. Yeah, you and I thought you and Britt had one of the better pods earlier this week on Monday when you just talked about the learning experiences that this team has gone through, especially like an ant and how he kind of, after that OKC game, right? He was like, I I got a gun, I just, bullets in the chamber, I got to fire them all type thing. And it's like, ah, it might not be the move. 
and then he's kind of learned through that Celtics loss and some other moments just like to get off of it and find different strategies because the biggest compliment or go he, before man go yep. before the double comes that that's the if you want to go that's when you got to go but just the biggest compliment he can get at 22 is that the coverages are going to continue to get mixed right. and more difficult so uh but i always this sticks in my head from a couple weeks ago maybe in the locker room when ant was joking post game about how carl get, you know carl shots are so easy and he was complimenting his his sidekick was like everything carl gets is so easy and everything he does is so easy my shots are difficult and yeah, it's just kind of an antism, but there's just, if you just took three ISO possessions a game away from Ant and just made them Carl threes, like that's just going to help uptick this offense from what, what are they offensive rating this month or right now, average 15 to 20. Like that's how you even just get closer to 10 is just a couple of those wasted possessions. And Ant can basically go at anyone in the league. There's not really anyone that can stop him in the isolation. Just Carl threes again playoff time because you know 29 and 11 you're starting to tinker with things and experiment and figure out what works best for this team come april and may and god forbid june eight threes a game like just let them go that that's the criticism right it's like you were you made five if i had if i was five for five in a game in any pickup game i there's not a chance i'd pass the ball just keep <laughs> going until i miss so uh starting to let it go a little more i think he's shooting 46 percent this month uh, which is a pretty big uptick from when he, December was just kind of a grind for everyone. But Carl taking more threes is the easiest offense this team can get. And that's on a team that has, you know, one of the most prolific pick and roll duos in Mike and Rudy. So more threes, the better. And and they need more in the non-Ant minutes. Uh, tonight they were plus five with him on, plus mm-hmm. two uh, with him off. But I was looking it up over the last three games prior to tonight. Um Ant played 111 minutes, and the Wolves won those 111 minutes by 53. In the 40 minutes he sat in those previous three games, they lost them by 33. Mm-hmm. Um, that's too big of a gap, obviously, and that's a testament to Ant, obviously, driving, the winning, and scoring an effective offense. It's another thing when we list, what are all these small ways that this offense can get a little bit better well, they got to find a way to be an average level offense or close to it in the minutes that that Ant is off the floor because that is a playoff thing, right? Like Ant's going to sit eight minutes a game, six minutes a game in the playoffs, right? And we've seen from like Jokic and Embiid and some of these other superstar level players how big that can shift things, you know, even just those eight minutes. If you're consistently losing those eight minutes a night in a playoff series by 10 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are just, again, regular season things that you can, that you can be thinking about. So as to preempt that problem. Yeah. Ant is their best player. He is their best offensive weapon, but he's not going to play. Sometimes what can you do? What can be your non ant offensive identity? We talked a little bit about the, the rotation shifting and changing some, um, but they need a little bit more of that. I don't know if it's a different structure, if they need to play five out more in in those minutes, but but what is it? That that's that's on Chris Finch's to-do list for the for the second half of the year, finding efficient offense in the non-Anthony Edwards minutes. And and that's why because I think it was an unpopular opinion, but that's why I loved the Celtics loss. Just the way I mean, again, it would have been great to have won that game, but just the learning opportunities because it's probably my most fascinating part 
with a young adult who's 22 and learning his way is that he now knows and is proven to be one of the best offensive players in the league. But when you become like the elite of the elite, like Luca or all these guys, they know they can do the difficult stuff, but they're like, why wouldn't I just do the easy stuff more? So just finding easier. I mean, there is not a, there's not a building or a set of stairs that Ant cannot climb, but it's like, yeah, but Carl's an escalator, right? Or Mike and Conley are an elevator. Like there's just simpler ways to get baskets. You're going to still need that incredible shot making ability late in games when it's not just the Timberwolves, right? It's pretty much all 30 teams go heavy ISO late, late in games. So that's a nice weapon to have, but just a little, again, we're criticizing two guys, Carl and Ant, that played really well and were pretty efficient, but just those little tweaks are things that I'm watching now on the 17th of January, because on the 17th of April, that's actually going to make or break your whole season. We're going to uh, we're gonna take a break here, but we're going to then get to questions. So, Coop, if you well, could start grabbing a few of those. Yes. Let, me, let, me, let me just say one thing, because you said three guys, and we can do it after the break. Right? You said three guys. I don't think those would have been my three guys I would have talked about tonight. Carl was great. You can't do a podcast and not talk about Nikhil. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. I actually think Nikhil was my third guy. Carl, oh, I thought the defense Nikhil was, was, was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yes. Timely, right. timely. And again, I don't know where the stat line is. I clicked the different tab, but uh, he finished with... Well, it was just those two big buckets, right? Yep. Late I was going to say third, seven right? points, right. one rebound, right. one assist, right. one steal, one block, minus mm-hmm. six, two fouls, no turnovers. So not going to blow you away if you miss this game and just check the box score. He just does so much stuff, man. His energy... He is yeah. like a mixture of Jordan McLaughlin and Jaden McDaniels in the sense that he can guard, he can fight around screens, but he also just gives you energy. And then he's got more sh- offense too, man. That that's like, and we're starting to see that. I, I really think there's a there's a finishing package there at the rim that they, you know, as the eighth man or whatever, they don't need him to get into that much. Maybe he, when we talk about that second unit offense and the non-ant minutes, they need a bucket getter. I don't think that's the archetype specifically mm-hmm. that that Nikhil is. Um, we know what his role is, and we know he's nailing that role. But I, I do believe there's there's more playmaking and even some scoring like at the basket potential uh, in in Nikhil's game. That given opportunities, you know, maybe starting some games. You look at the Boston game where he started and and how he was able to deliver. Like talk about. You know, Rudy Gobert is a serious professional basketball player. So is Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and and he's doing that at, at 24 years old. I, I tweeted out during the game today, like, this is – if I was just watching this team on league pass, this would, Nikhil Alexander-Walker would totally be the guy. I'm like, man, you don't know about Nikhil. Like, he's <laughs> – yeah. All sicko he's, team. He, he's he's – because he is. It's a, mm-hmm. it, it, if you, as I'm sure everybody who's listening to this now, has watched 5, 10 – wool plus wolves games this year um you know that you just yeah. know from it, like if you just popped in for a wolves game you know and they'd be like oh that Nikhil alexander walker guy who's like a draft prospect look he's playing for the wolves and he's kind of nice but this is probably a one-off like there is a consistency to to Nikhil's game as well that i i just really respect it i i, I really respect like he's just a super diligent player and um and this team needs that even and, and particularly from their young core too and I can't remember. Was it the was it the postseason or the plan? It was April basketball last season. But he had that corner three that he missed, and like the Wolves were blowing a big lead. And it was against Denver, and they're blowing a big lead. And here come the Nuggets. 
they might sweep the Wolves, and then Nikhil gets another shot in the corner, same shot late in the game, and it's like, you can't shoot this one again, man. You just airballed the hell of that first one. Took it with confidence and made it, and it was mm-hmm. the biggest shot of that game, I think. Tonight, again, seven points, one three, I think, or two threes, but just big, timely shots. And Jim said it in the moment. He's like, Nikhil just finds these timely ways yep. to kind of boost his team. Uh, so his shot mechanics are never going to be something you teach at the <laughs> at the YBL level, but he just, again, that's a really big thing, right, to have guys on your team that bleed confidence. Uh, he might miss a shot and lose him a game, but tonight I thought those two shots he hit late were were kind of game winners in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just big, big to have that confidence. Uh, I'm sure that somewhat comes from just being really good and also probably from the coaching staff, right? Like Finch, I, I remember hearing at the deadline last year that Finch was a big played a big role in like, you know, I want to get Nikhil and stuff. So mm-hmm. just having guys like that that exude confidence. It's not Malik Beasley level, but uh, can't talk about tonight's win without talking about Nikhil. So, okay, yeah. go to break. 100%. Uh, we will grab a break here and then get questions ready. Um, we're going to just kind of rip through those for the last half hour or so uh, of this episode. But today's show is uh, brought to you by Your Home Improvement Company, another local sponsor here. Um, we love supporting local companies here and that support us as well. Uh, we know not every single one of you have a home improvement need but some of you do and if you are looking at getting your windows you got you know leaky windows that are letting in cold air um, in minnesota this winter your home improvement company has a buy to get to free deal uh, going on for the month of january um, with your home improvement company at zero interest zero payment no money down until 2025 to contact them it's 952-243-3502 you see that on the screen or at yhic.com. They also have a bathroom uh, installation deal going off. They are and going on right now, and they're offering 40% off an entire bathroom project for the, the month of January. So um, if Windows or bathroom uh, is your need, this is a company that is going to give you a fair price and get the job done quickly. Again, 952-243-3502 or YHIC.com, your home improvement company, where it's your home made better. And then quickly, Kyle, we wanted to get in some, some prize oh, yeah, picks we'll do this quick. for you uh, for the for the Sunday, or I guess Saturday and Sunday slate uh, of the NFL. What do you got for me? Pretty easy. We'll keep it short. Uh, this is the best weekend of football, by the way. If you're a casual fan, even it's it's... It's not last weekend where there's more games. It's this weekend where it's kind of the best of the best. Uh, so real quick, real easy. David Montgomery over 58 and a half rushing yards. Detroit at home in a game that they're favored by six. I imagine they probably beat the Bucks pretty handily, despite the fact that I hate the Lions. Uh, Pacheco over 63 and a half rushing yards against the Bills. I think that game is probably more of a James Cook-Pacheco game, despite the two stars at quarterback. Uh, let's get weird. Uh, the only way the Texans uh, and the Stroud boys can beat the Ravens is if Nico Collins goes off. So over 99 and a half receiving yards. That's a little uh, demon. Juiced, right? I saw yeah, that. a little, yeah. little extra sauce there. And then uh, Amon Ross St. Brown at home over 0.5 receiving and rushing touchdowns. He's going to score. I bet all of my journalistic credibility on it. So that pays out something like uh, 11 uh, yeah. to 1. I got it here. It's. Or, yeah, 16 to 1 if you really want to risk it. So, uh, if you do the power play, yeah. It's a good weekend for prize picks if you want to give it a shot. Like, 
gamble responsibly. Uh, it's a fun, different way to have a little juice in the game. Uh, and the promo code's awesome because, like you said, you get a $100 match. Yes, uh, $100 sign-up bonus at prizepicks.com or on the Prize Picks app. I, I think it's the, the NFL's still going on. Your fantasy season's over. This is a fun way to, you know, to get to remain in the, mm-hmm. the NFL loop, which I am feeling very removed from right now as my fantasy season is obviously as all of them are over. I, I'm such a bad NFL fan, man. Like, no, it, it's it, I don't know. It, it's once fantasy ends, I'm just like and there was all the it, the games kind of stunk last weekend. And I was at Target Center for when the I guess the one good game was Rams Lions, which was happening when the Wolves were were playing the Clippers. I'll lock back in. I uh, I used the Wi-Fi from McDonald's to stream the second half of a football game because I had no power, and that's when I was like, "Wait!" I was like three McChickens deep, and I was just like, "This this might be the low point." So I'm so sorry to hear you were spending your weekend at Target Center with power and lights and heat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hooray, prize picks. I, hey, I have a quick. I know we're gonna do yeah. questions, but this is like the best way to kind of close this out for the next ten or fifteen minutes. So I do those dumb tweets, and I said that the Wolves, uh, twenty nine and eleven, fifteen sixteen Timberwolves. Now let's put the expert on the spot a little bit. The fifteen sixteen Timberwolves were twenty nine and fifty three. Do you remember anything from that season? And can you name how many guys from that team can you list? I will give you one clue. That was the Carl Anthony Towns rookie season. Justin Hamilton, no. Lorenzo Brown. No, that's the Wiggins rookie year. Yeah, that's the Wiggins rookie. This team actually okay. has like this because I'm thinking now 29 and 11. Right, this is the best start they've ever had. 29 and 53 is embarrassing. But if I start going through that list, that wasn't. And there's a there's another way I want to bring this up. So do you want, do you want any more guesses before we get into it? <laughs> yeah, I already burned my two guesses of Justin Hamilton and Lorenzo Brown. So let me go through the lineup quick because one of these players was in attendance tonight. Oh, Andre at, Miller, yeah. Tayshawn, Andre, uh, KG, who so else started? Levine, Wiggs, Wiggs Towns, Pat. Greg Smith, Fresno State's own. He was a random wolf of the week over at Flagrant Howl's, a great podcast. Uh-huh. You should subscribe. Uh, I'm going to butcher this. Damian Rudez? Damian Rudez, baby. Thank you. Uh, Ricky Rubio, Tayshawn Prince, Peck, Adrian Payne. Shabazz Muhammad, Andre Miller, Kevin Martin, Zach. Oh, this Levine. is the Sam Mitchell team. Yep, Tyus Jones, Kevin Garnett, Gorgie Jang, and then uh, Belly. So that team was about as promising as it gets. It also seems like that team was forty years ago. But I mean, you had Wiggs and Towns and Tyus and all these rookies, and it was just like that's about as promising as it got. And then what happened? I don't know. Tom Thibodeau showed up, but uh, anyone, anyone who watched. 20 or more of those Should get a tax 29 credit. wins. Well, they, they get this season. That's, yeah, that's true. That's Those are the people I think about when, when the Wolves are just racking up the wins um, this season is the very many people, myself included, who <laughs> sat around and watched those games when they were 17 and 40 or whatever. They're over like, under that. I got to get home for the Wolves game. Their over under on wins was 27 and a half, and they actually went over. over. So there that was probably go. the first time in 64 years the Wolves have gone over a, a win total. So, uh, no, Brandon, Brandon says here on the screen that was his first season as a Wolves fan. I'm sorry. It's oh my, that's crazy like you're it, still here. No, I, what do you mean? Like that he hasn't <laughs> doesn't have much scar tissue. He doesn't have the yes. uh, achy knees we talk about with the Timberwolves rain and arthritis. So, uh, yeah, fun fun to monitor that. We're running out of these. If you hate those tweets, I'm running out of them <laughs> because there's only so many. We're gonna get into like good territory where they won 58 games, but uh, yeah, fun stuff. So, Coop, give us a question. Yeah, let's do it. 
Alec Downing, what is making Finch not play Troy Brown Jr. consistently? The offensive numbers are very good, but this team clearly needs office. offense. Do you have any hunches? The answer to that is defense. I, I think it's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's um And I, I actually don't think of Troy Brown as like a bad defender, but I remember in the first game where like Troy Brown was on his way out of the rotation trying to, I don't remember what the specific game was, but he like played in the first half and didn't play in the second half. And, and Finch was asked about it. And he just said, I need a defense in, mm-hmm. in this game. And kind of since then, uh, Troy Brown has, has been, you know, out of the mix. And I, I don't know. I mean, numbers, I, I guess that the offensive numbers are good there. We're talking about pretty small samples. We're talking about him playing, I don't know, a lot of his minutes in that Oklahoma City Thunder game. Not to take away from those minutes, but he played very well in that Oklahoma City Thunder game. The Wolves did too. That's probably – they probably don't believe that those numbers will sustain um, because it is such a small sample size. But I don't think like him or Shake are like shelved um, by any means from – from this team, obviously they're players who potentially could get moved uh, at the at the deadline. Uh, but I, I'm really impressed by Troy in particular. Like he, he's just a he's an extremely like positive person on the bench. I mean, and yeah, most people have just seen that on TV. But like he looks like one of those players who knows he signed a contract to be a fringe rotation player, mm-hmm. and when he is being treated as a fringe rotation player. He's not bummed out about it, you know, yeah. and and that's that's important. I'd extend that to to shake uh, Milton as well. They have a team with eight players who clearly belong in the rotation and three who maybe do right. Yeah, and and at this point, they're they're leaning into Jordan McLaughlin, if for no other reason than that one. The numbers there, I think, are pretty good too, and turnovers is the biggest problem this team has. So having, you know. Jordan play the majority of the minutes that Mike Conley's off the floor. I think in theory establishes some of that ball movement and subtracts from, from some of the, you know, turnovers that, that those are the signs I've gotten at least for why, why Troy for now is out of the rotation. Yeah. They, they played eight guys tonight or Finch played eight guys tonight, all eight or he played more than that, but eight guys got 20 minutes or more tonight. Uh, Kyle Anderson, Nas, and obviously Nikhil all played North of actually 22 minutes. So I don't know. I mean, well, yeah, we're at like eight and a half now, right? I mean, a ninth didn't even play against the Clippers. It's not becoming uncommon that if it's J-Mac or whoever, they play seven, eight minutes in the first half and then don't play in the second half, which is yeah. basically well, what happened today. And it's just, it. There, there's a little Tibbs in Finch. I mean, and I, I don't know if it's just specifically Tibbs and Finch or just a lot of coaches don't want to let go of that rope, right? I mean, we're talking about the same team that blew more double-digit leads last year than any other team in the league. So there might be some achy knees for Chris Finch of just like, ah, I'm not doing that again. So I'm just going to grind some of these guys out. I mean, no one really played it. Mike only played 29 minutes that no one played an unhealthy amount, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just part of the being that what I still think is one of the deeper teams in the league. It's just who are you going to play him over? I mean, Kyle Anderson, even despite some of his offensive warts, like that's a starter on a lot of teams as yeah. is Nas and as is Nikhil. That's what I think about often with the whole idea of the trade deadline is like, okay, we know the ninth spot is kind of a hole. Well, mm-hmm. excuse me on this roster right now but um but we also know it's not a very big role right so it it's like how much do you want to invest in a trade if that's what the role is you know um 
Now, maybe do you make some sort of move that puts that player into the Anderson, Reed, Alexander Walker group mm-hmm. and, you know, is as good or better than them? Sure. Like that would be great. But then you now you've watered down the minute total for yeah. all four of those guys. And there's still plenty of games against the Clippers. I think Nas played like 14 minutes. Um, they're, they're leaning heavy into their their starters, particularly when Cat, Jaden, and Rudy aren't in foul trouble, or Ant too. Um, there, there's just not a ton left on the bench. Which I'm not saying I'm a like a proponent necessarily of trading Kyle Anderson. Obviously, it depends on the deal and who the player is and stuff like that. But that idea makes more sense to me in that Kyle Anderson would then be out of the rotation, mm-hmm. you know, or it wouldn't be on the team then, yeah. and so whoever the player is that you're trading for comes in and uh, whatever it has, has a greater bandwidth available. That's a good segue into Sarah Washington's question, which is pretty simple. And I had to, I thought this during the game and the question is why did Finch roll with Kyle Anderson for so long as he did? The spacing was horrible. Uh, I thought that too. And I thought, you know, they're packing the paint. Like this is just one of those times where you could have more spacing. And then I checked the box score and in 22 minutes, he had nine assists and led the team. Uh, and it is kind of the Kyle Anderson, you know, Barf always says this is the Minnesota Timberwolves experience. This is the Kyle Anderson experience. It's like, yeah, he was no threat to score. He only had two or four points, but he just finds ways to get the ball moving and make it click uh, in his kind of, as you've been calling him now more and more, he's a center, right? He is kind of a Draymond Green type, really good defensive guy, finds guys on offense and doesn't really ever look to score. Uh, that could be problematic in the postseason. But tonight, I also thought those nine assists really kind of helped maintain their run and help kind of fend off the Pistons. So it's, it is a double-edged sword, and it's, I'm not anti-Kyle. I just keep saying, like, the trade reason you would even throw him in is because he has the best, juiciest expiring oh, contract. So, like sure. you said, Finch loves him. Yeah, I mean, I guess my, my not, not to you know, take away from the question, I guess, but, like, I wasn't surprised that Finch rolled with Kyle Anderson as long as he did, because Finch always rolls with Kyle Anderson as long as he did tonight. Like that's the role right now that Finch has given Kyle is a role that even if in your first stint or your second stint, the spacing is problematic and and issues happen. Finch has a belief that that third stint or that fourth stint is going to be better you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. there's that we've seen it zero times in 40 games this year that finch has been like no no kyle anderson here because spacing is an issue we, yeah. we can make an argument that he should be doing it i'm just kind of past the point of being surprised that he did does that make sense yeah and you know what i mean not to be super glass half empty here but there's a chance that when we do our last pot of the season at some point in in june that Kyle Anderson will be the reason that, you know, the spacing just finally caught up to him. Uh, but tonight, again, he leads the team in assists, blocks, and steals. And it wasn't sexy, and it was really clunky on offense. And I just thought the offense in general stood out more than ever tonight. Uh, lack of, you know, attention to detail, all that stuff, lack of ball movement. But he just is the Swiss Army knife uh, that, that doesn't have an, any sort of sharp object to hurt you offensively. But defensively, he gets, he's got all the tools. He's got the yeah. nail thing, you know, all the little... Twisty ties, open a wine bottle. He's just Finch's, and he really is. When and Finch is so awesome. The more you watch him, I know I'm pro Finch, but he's like me watching the game. When he's like, enough is enough. I'm so tired. Like, just put Kyle back in there. 
I mean, I joked with you two weeks ago. Sometimes he just subs Kyle in without Kyle doesn't know who to go in for. He's just yeah. I don't know Kyle just figure it out and fix it. Yeah, and that's Kyle, his Kyle and Conley. Yeah, yeah, that's his role on this team is you know uh, Mike Conley's the, the DD and and Kyle's gonna direct him home. So good question. I mean, it, it's yeah. something that a lot of people it really stands out when you're watching the game when the, when the spacing when he's not even looking for his own offense. So let's uh, let's grab another question here. I'll take this one. This one's from Kayvon or Kevin LaRose. Uh, is this team a guard bucket getter away from an NBA finals run? Could you see a trade for a guard or someone in the buyout market? Nah, Nas and Kyle off the bench feel like we need to acquire that piece. Uh, to the, like what we were talking about before with the non ant minutes, that's what the non ant minutes are, are kind of needing is, is somebody who, again if it does get bogged down to late in the clock can do a poor man's version of what ant does uh they don't have that in in the second unit right now it's it's kind of kyle right yeah. Kyle anderson is is sort of the, and that is a much more methodical <laughs> attack yeah. uh to of, of the basket there and, and obviously less effective you could you could you know certainly use a, a bucket getter on this team that's a archetype of player that i think a lot of us don't typically love right mm -hmm. um where you're like oh it's a all offense no defense jamal crawford type of player what i've just been saying about the bucket getter idea is if there was ever a team that could use an all offense and no defense guy in theory right it's the team that's number one on defense and number 15 on offense yep um i don't know I, the, the the question i have with that is how much does having one bucket getter up your bench hurt the overall like stability of your defense what i think kind of makes the wolves defense great when it is great is all four perimeter players around rudy mm -hmm. are staying connected you know and and that's like some bucket getters can't do that right but if you have that convert if you it needs to be a bucket getter i think that you feel confident that you say hey if you're going to play, and if you're going to play 18 minutes a night for the Wolves, that's the requirement on defense. Like yep. we're, we're not, it's not just, we're not playing one, you know, we're not playing four on five on defense if you're out there. You need to at least stay attached. And I don't know. I mean, if we went through the Bones Highlands and the, you know, Alec Burks and the those, those type of players, the hard part is you know, for these players, I think that we're not watching all the time, but we're watching occasionally, you know, you can get a feel for what their offensive game is, but when you're sporadically watching a player, like, I, I don't know how good of a defender is Alex, Alec Burks. Like I, at that point I'm looking at like past defensive metrics and that sort of thing. And that, that's the, that's the question is, can you rely on a bucket getter to be, neutral-ish on defense. If you can, this team should get that player. I have some thoughts. No, I have some thoughts on this. So you look at the guys that played tonight, right? I said eight guys played north of 20 minutes. Uh, that's kind of your playoff rotation, right? If you don't make a trade. Like, those are your eight guys. Yeah. And I can't think of five people in Minnesota, the state in general, that have a higher Q score right now than like a Nikhil and like a Nas. So let's just say those two are your sixth and seventh men. I've been struggling with this, and as much as I love trades, like, I love just just being in the Siakam trade moment today, right? Like, the notifications, the analysis. Yeah. Where, where how, 
I guess I'm just trying to like ease everyone or kind of cool the Jets. Like this team probably doesn't make a sizable move. Where do you even fit that in? Like how do you what do you do to disrupt? You go get a real like you said bucket getter volume guy that becomes your sixth guy, but now creates essentially like a hole in this really tight defense you have, and now you're playing four. And that's Defensive the thing. Survive, it's it's like, Anderson, right? You go into Anderson yeah. and the Anderson, and I know it's the the frustration, like the the question had about the offense and the spacing, but he often does enough, like you said tonight, with the nine assists to sort of make the offense work. And then he's one of the one of the best perimeter defenders on this team. We get like Jaden and Nikhil, and you know when they slither over the top of the screen and come for a rear view contest block, you're like, whoa, that's a great perimeter defender. But if you look at the numbers and you look at the fact or uh, the infrequency with which Kyle Anderson gets blown by, like that just stays co- as well connected. Like we're saying, he stays as connected to his man as, as anyone does on this team. So if you trade Kyle Anderson, like, yeah, your spacing issues are probably solved. You do create a hole in your ability to guard bigger wings because Kyle Anderson is one of, honestly, if not the best at guarding big wings on this team. It's oddly kind of like him and Ant. For and and two to this a bucket getter thing because now I'm starting to get twenty nine and eleven has officially put me over to like I'm starting to think playoff rotations a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's the ice storm melting, but I'm starting to think like it's spring. And you know what? You know where the bucket getters might be? Just forty two minutes of Ant. <laughs> In 42 minutes of Carl, you know what I mean? Like, it might just be we're not going to rely yeah. on Bones Island or any of these guys on the bed. It's just going to be we're just going to lean into Ant more. We're just going to lean into Carl more. So I think it's not – this is not a slop podcast. I would imagine the slop will pick up as we approach the trade deadline in, in early February. But I think they make a move. That's not what this pod's about. But I think they make a move, and I think that move is is somewhat significant, and I think it's after February. I think they become, for the first time in 35 years – a destination for a potential buyout guy. Uh, because again, they're, they're limited in assets. What are you going to give up? If you're not going to trade Kyle, I don't know how many teams are knocking down the door to get like Wendell Moore, Shake Milton in a second. There's just other teams out there that have more more ammo. So uh, just just curious, give me 30 seconds. We teased this a little bit on Flagrant Howl's Chris Paul buyout market. Would you do it? <laughs> what? Uh just, I'm just, just curious, just curious, just yeah. I, as a buyer, I so well, you but, just sign them at the minimum. Right. I mean, just well because there will be guys that you know as things fall apart in teams and like maybe Chris Paul's in a trade to a team that loses salary and then they buy him out or whatever. I just, I'm just thinking, you know, he fits one of those three things we've talked about uh, as a backup point guard. He's not a a movement shooter. He's not a volume scorer. But the name, how likely is that? I don't know. We're getting a little speculative. But the reason I thought that is because. I guess I just hadn't even thought of him as a buyout guy, but yeah, the Detroit Detroit Pistons play basketball at what I think is a hockey arena, and it was wet on that floor tonight because multiple guys slipped, and when Mike Conley slipped in the first half, I had a stroke, and all I could think of is they need more than ever, and you and I go back and forth all the time, what do they need, what do they need? They need Mike Conley insurance. You joked the other day that if they lose Mike, they're screwed anyway. Probably true, but Chris Paul in a potential buyout market, at least gives them another point, kind of old school point guard that JJ Reddick said has gone away. Uh, just something to think about. I don't know. It was fun. I hate him, but I'm sure I just, once you become a Minnesota Timberwolf, I will defend you to the death.
Today's show is brought to you by Doer. That's D-U-E-R. And why I like to wear Doer is because when I'm choosing what to wear, the key is to be comfortable. That's why I'm loving my Doer jeans. Doer denim is the perfect mix of comfort, style, and stretch. Historically, I haven't been much of a denim guy, but I like these Doer jeans because they aren't so stiff. I have the performance denim athletic straight style in the heritage rinse color. I've been wearing these to games. I brought them on the road trip I was just on because I figured I can wear them to the game. I can wear them out to dinner. Doer also makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for both men and women. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch, breathability, moisture absorption, complete with temperature regulating antimicrobial properties to feel fresh, cool, and dry. From the performance denim to the no sweat jogger, I can find a pair that fits any occasion. Plus, Doer values sustainability and uses 85% plant-based materials for natural softness and comfort. Upgrade your wardrobe and order your own pair of Doer jeans today. Check out Doer's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shop. D-U-E-R dot com slash Dane Moore. All one word, my name. This is an awesome deal. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets It was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the GameTime app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the GameTime app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the GameTime app. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code DANEMORE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DANEMORE, all one word, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And HelloFresh is the meal kit I actually use to get fresh pre-portioned ingredients sent right to my door. Obviously, the holiday season is hectic. Just more things that you have to do, places you need to be, and thus less time you have to go pick out groceries at the grocery store to make a home-cooked meal. Have you been to the grocery store this month? It is a nightmare in there. But here's the thing. I know for me, life isn't going to just slow back down once the holidays have passed. So I'm going to keep using HelloFresh once the holidays are done because it helps the structure of my day, the structure of my week. I like that I don't buy takeout as often when we're making HelloFresh. And because of that, I'm saving money too. If you get HelloFresh this month, you can actually save money with fresh recipes delivered rather than takeout coming to your door and you're going to get the right amount of food that fits you with pre-portioned meals. So you're not throwing away loads of excess takeout that has been sitting in your fridge for a week. Go to hellofresh.com slash Dane more free and use code Dane more free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com 
dot com slash Dane more free with code Dane more free. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's uh, let's grab another question. Let's do one more here. <laughs> Slow Joe, why is Finch considered Ooh. a great offensive coach when he just just lets his players do whatever they want? I I think that's the. I mean, it's the this whole question of you know flow versus structure, and obviously there's times that this team could have used more structure over the past year and a half, right? And and Finch has has said as much. If you want the actual answer to this, I'm not saying this is my opinion or anything. It's that Finch has a belief, and I don't disagree with this part of it, that the best basketball is comes out of unscripted action mm-hmm. and and movement off of that, and that is true. The question and the problem for the Wolves is the frequency with which that hits. You know. Finch's flow-based offensive system, if they found that flow more frequently, would lead to great offense. We've seen that in previous seasons. We've seen these teams find that comfort and that understanding and that sort of like subconscious, you know, connection with their teammates that has fueled them to be an elite team for this offensively for, for the second half of the past two seasons. And this team right now hasn't done that. You know, they, they haven't turned a big offensive corner and the frequency with which the flow hits um, has not been high enough. I think you have like two, three major things that get in the way of that frequency. One, I think it's a ball dominant score uh, in Anthony Edwards, which isn't a bad thing. It just that type of player at that type of usage gets in the way of flow um you have a superstar offensive big man who has been relegated to a different role that 
that he's accepted, but he doesn't totally want to relent, you know, his spot in the pecking order, his usage there too. So there's still some of this from Ant and Cat, I think, a little bit of individual want that that gets in the way of of flow and 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 that type of offense. And then obviously the spacing issues. Just is, is a team that has a lot of non-shooters and doesn't shoot threes at a high volume clip. All three of those things get in the way of Finch's ideal vision for how offense is played. The reason people think Finch is a great coach is they think that's a good, a great vision with the right roster. And he knows how to tap into that. He hasn't tapped into that yet. And thus far this season has not been a great offensive coach because they're a middling offensive team that has, the problems that they've had offensively have sustained pretty much for the entirety of the first 40 games of the season. Like there hasn't really been a great month of offense from this team. There's been many great overall months for the team because the defense has been so good, but we, we, we haven't seen it. And yeah, you can make an argument that this team could use more structure. I make that all the time, um, but you can't just delete, Finch, get a new coach that has more structure and be as good as you are because he Finch himself is such a important factor of why this group is meshing as well as it has as overall and that's really showing up on on the defensive side of the floor also Chris Finch if you asked him that would say I'm not an offensive coach like he's he's he's, he's been asked that he's like no I've, I've always seen myself as defense first and he goes i think i'm not kind of butchering the quote but he's like i think that's based of based off of some of the styles in which i ran offense yeah. overseas but that was not a necessity um he's not a self-proclaimed elite offensive coach by any means um and and has some work to do offensively with this with this group as well but that's the the flow versus structure thing I yeah think. i think most of that's on me because I think for like 18 months since he got here on replaced Ryan, I was like, he's a wizard. But that's when the expectations were low. The defense was even lower. And he was just kind of doing what any CEO does at a new company or a coach. He's just like, let me try a bunch of stuff. Like I'll never, I am so pro Finch, maybe more than anyone, but I'll never forget that he just like didn't know who Jane McDaniels was for the first couple of weeks and like didn't play him or didn't start him. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a valid question too. Because uh, the offense is not great, and this numbers now, as you get into forty games, fifty games, it's like that is kind of the bugaboo. That's like the thing teams are starting to nitpick or mm-hmm. analysts or whatever. But uh, but it is the first defense in the league. You know, they've been top in defense for as long as I can remember. And also, too, he's made the Carl and Rudy thing work. I mean, there's a lot of numbers when they're on the floor together. Like, hey, this is gone are the days, right? Where it's like, I mean, there was a period in time where we did these pods. Like, well, as long as they can just stagger them and play one center at a time, it's like. Uh- he has figured out that there are still ways to go. I would imagine he hates when Ant just goes heavy ISO, and that's not picking on Ant again. Think, he's awesome. I think we know he does hate that. <laughs> so, and you know, I think he hates all the extra. Not hate it. Hate isn't the thing, but you know, it would be if ideal. You listen to the, the press yeah. conferences after those games where the offense bogs down in the fourth quarter, and Finch is openly and consistently hard and, on well, Ant's play. And we're doing this live on YouTube, so if you're there. Shout out to everyone in the chat. Shout out to everyone that's watched this tonight. We're going to try to do a couple more of these, I think, this season. Yeah. Um, but if you are on YouTube, it means a lot. You know, like, uh, subscribe, trying to get those numbers up. But I saw comments earlier that said post-game, because we skipped this. 
Finch was angry dad again and just said, we didn't, we didn't take them seriously. The offense was stagnant. Uh, and I love that. That's part of the reason I'm pro him is that, you know, he could have tweeted out too, 29 and 11, haven't done this since Carl's rookie year. And he's like, we were bad and they need some so how, of that. How do, how do people react to that? Like, like it, it, did, to my you tweets. said angry dad. No, no. Oh. Like angry dad. Like is that is that's a thing. Like, and, and yeah, like, so is that a, is that a joke or is that like, this is annoying that the coach is this way. Cause it sounds, I, like I, I want to be, I, I'm just going to speak for myself. I like that. I like that this team and the marketing department, and the ownership, everyone is blowing smoke up this team's ass because they are having the best season they've ever had. And that he seems like, and again, you're there for half these games. He seems like he is just not going to let them. He's going to try as hard as to not let them get big heads or like to think, the same thing that I'm thinking, like, oh my god, we're 29 and 11, or just to not get unserious, like yeah, did in the first half tonight. Which yeah, is so like again, a pretty objective analysis of what happened, right? And yeah, and not to get into the weeds, but I think you would agree. Like, this is still like a players' league, <laughs> and this is still like a league that you know you, you can be the best coach in the league and tell. I mean, I still love Popovich, right? And you watch his team, and he's just got some young guys that do a bunch of dumb stuff, and. This team has older players that usually are the floor again, but Ant, Jaden, and Carl, even though Carl's a little older, like they still, they're, I made that Citadel joke the other week about Ant. This team, the core of this team doesn't have a lot of big game reps, so they just revert to in animosity or in tough times to kind of do what they used to do in college or AU, and that's just kind of win it by themselves, so that's what you're going to look for. I mean, we are at the halfway point, right? After tomorrow's game against the Grizzlies, it'll be 41 games in. This next 41 games is, is can we train some of these guys now? Like, the defense, they bring it every night. Obviously, tonight they give up 40 points in the first quarter, but then they kind of locked in. Second quarter only gave up 22. So the defense probably is just going to translate the rest of the season. Uh, but can Finch connect through these guys more to do some of the stuff we said? Three less ISOs and three more cat threes little more ball movement, swinging around. So I think it's a good question. Uh, it's it's something that maybe we, as in the mainstream media, said that Finch was this offensive wizard when it's like, actually, I just did that stuff because I had weird rosters, but I really want to do is just lock teams down and protect the rim. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's true. Too. Let's, do, let's grab maybe one or two more quick questions. Yeah. Rapid fire. Yes. Yeah, the Finch said after the game, I didn't like our uh, seriousness tonight. Uh, I didn't either, but the Pistons covered, so. Who sits tomorrow night for rest against the Grizzlies? Um, I, I mean, I don't think, hey, I guess Conley missed that game, but I don't think we're at the point of assuming that players are going to be resting. I'm not, I mean, maybe, but like, why? There's been other times to rest this season, and the only time anyone's ever rested is after the disastrous Orlando-Boston travel thing. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard anything. I've, the only thing I've heard is it's super important to Mike Conley individually to play in as many games as, as he can. He's not doing the thing of like, where can I be strategic about the nights off? Like he, he's not there. And so you said that to me or on the pod, you're like, it's really important to Mike Conley, but we've talked a little offline. There's a chance too, and this is the stuff you can't measure, right? Culture, all that stuff that it's important to all these guys that they do want to play. And, I don't know. I, I still have my gripes with the league in general. I don't know if that's always the case for 29 other teams that they're guys, you know, the 29 11. It's like, oh, let me just take the night off. I don't want to play in it. I think these guys do want to play. Like I saw tonight on the injury report, the only guy that was on there that's a rotation player was Ant, questionable. 
it had the word knee. So people thought it was all the knee tendinopathy stuff. Again, it's like, from my understanding, completely unrelated. Uh, he's wearing that great. But I mean, I think these guys just want to play. And I don't know. I think it's, I get wanting to preserve them. But if they want to play and we're talking about that, this is not a finished product and they're not perfect and they have things mm -hmm. to work on. What are they going to get? I know I'm kind of talking on both sides. Of what are they going to gain by resting Ant tomorrow? Who's one of the key cogs and sometimes the ball being yeah, sticky. It's like so. how relevant does the game, like how much productive stuff can happen if Ant doesn't play because Ant like is the foundation of how you play. Right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Like, um, I don't know. Maybe it does start coming. I think part of the reason why this has been such a like, lightning rod thing in the weird wolves niche is that, you know, we're looking around at the rest of the league and we're seeing guys, particularly of Mike Conley's age or of Anthony Edwards, stature or cat stature in the league resting games. But a lot of times those players that are resting are doing so around a back to back tomorrow, right? It's just the fourth back to back that they have of like 13. The and they have a lot. Yeah. They haven't had that many back to backs. Yeah. So I don't anticipate them to be a heavy back-to-back -back rest team, but if they're going to be a kind of back-to-back -back rest team, it makes sense to me that they didn't do it in the first two back-to-backs. They did. They rested Rudy and Conley in the third one. I don't know. Maybe they do tomorrow, but this is also, yeah, it's a back-to-back, -back, but you had Monday and Tuesday off. Um, you know, you're back home on Thursday. You have Friday off and the game that like, we're not at a super tenuous place in the schedule that I think makes you be like, you got to do this. I think people just look at, oh, you know, you could beat the Grizzlies without whoever. Sure. You know, I, I guess you could, but playing them against the Grizzlies isn't necessarily a bad thing either. And it's probably a productive thing in that you're establishing more and more of these. Ha I mean, that's what he's doing. He's using all 82 games to establish as many habits and to improve this team in the areas where they're not that good yet. Like, I don't think Finch believes that they can improve for the big picture if they're resting Conley or Gobert or Cat or Ann right. with any consistency. Because the team is that group of players. And if you remove one, you know, like the, the Kings game, right? When Cat didn't play and they beat them, it's like, great. But, like, if you play the Kings in the playoffs or whatever the next time is you play him, <laughs> that's going to play. Yeah. And now the time Carl did play against the Kings, you got torched because they were moving the ball and they're making the Carl run around, you know? So there's, there is value in, in playing. I'm not saying there isn't value in, in resting, but I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm gathering a greater appreciation for the, commitment to playing players night to night because i think i see that's what the vision is and i think i see a team that to go to the western conference finals or whatever needs to figure out a whole bunch of stuff during the regular season not because they're bad they're great they're two games up in the western conference at 29 and 11 but any of us that are watching this closely know like yeah there are some things that this this team still needs to to figure out i think Finch just believes they figure them out better uh by playing and and it's 40 it's crazy, right? Because we're doing so many pods and it's just content every day, but they're not technically even halfway through the season. And mm -hmm. they know that according to like, I think it's like Tankathon, they have like the third easiest schedule 
remaining schedule for the rest of the season. That is always in flux, and you never know who's going to play. But they do have a lot of back-to-backs coming up. And maybe towards the 55-game mark, 65-game mark, they start to rest guys a little bit. But, you know, I this is not in the equation, but I know it's in the equation for other teams and players. Like, you start skipping a game here and there, and then you sprain an ankle and you're out two weeks. You get really close to getting yourself eliminated from postseason awards. And I don't think that's why these guys are suiting up every night. But I really do think, and it's weird again, it's like the buyout market. We're not used to this organization, this roster, this franchise having a really good culture. And when guys show up to the arena every night and Finch is like, can you go? Can you tie them up? Then you're going to play. I think that's big. So it's something to monitor. There's still more than half the season left. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens Uh you, by the way, just to close it up, I know they play the Grizzlies tomorrow. Patreon, get some tickets. Uh, if you thought the Blazers threw out some guys you didn't know, oh, buddy, <laughs> good luck. Because I don't know who the Grizzlies have other than Jaron Jackson Jr. Derek Rose, baby. They have a point guard who I thought was created. Gilliard? Uh, That's, Jay Gilliard, yeah, Justin. Sure. Yeah, short. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. No, I mean, and, and to that point, like – I, I find myself always making the like their argument for yeah, not uh-huh. resting players just because maybe I have some insight to that or I'm at all the press conferences and maybe some people aren't listening to all of those. Um, th- there's totally merit in resting guys. Like I, I, I'm yep. not, I'm not taking away from that. I'm just trying to impart what I understand their opinion to be. Let's do one more question. Then we'll wrap it up. I, I don't think Hoop has anymore. So uh, can I, you can, can I ask you? Question. Can I? I'll ask you a question. Uh, this is from at Kyle Tuggy on Twitter. So the Wolves uh, have a short turnaround tomorrow. They play the Grizzlies. We've kind of gone over this. The Grizzlies are bad. The Wolves are good. Uh, Saturday, Wolves Thunder. How excited are you? Because yeah, you are no. a closet Thunder fan. We've talked about this before. Uh, I, I mean, I'm watching more Thunder because I'm starting to become a believer too. I think they are a piece I didn't away, watch but the. I didn't watch the game last night. So the Clippers, I'm not man. The Clippers. Yeah. And it's just fun. It's fun, right? Like these teams now that are the top of the West aren't your typical teams that are at the top of the West, right? Like the Nuggets are always going to hang around, but the Clippers, despite, I mean, the Wolves looked crisp and the Clippers came to play and the Wolves said, no, 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 little brother them. Clippers come back next game or the second next game and just did that same thing to the Thunder. So there's still really, really good matchups. They play the Thunder twice this month, I think, at home and at OKC at the end of the month, but uh, Grizz, the Grizzlies game will be another. Yeah, it's like two game. in the next two weeks. Right? Yep. Yeah, the, the the Grizzlies game at home, a late tip for those of you in the Midwest. I think it's a nine o'clock tip on TNT. No Jim, no Grady, but uh, that'll be another Pistons game where your knees will ache. It might get down to single digits in the and fourth. And it's national TV game, so I think there's a whole different to the so, rest. Yeah, thing, so I'm right? sure Stan Van Gundy will do 12 minutes on Cole Aldridge because that's how much prep he does for these games. He was terrible in the Sixers game. He spent the whole game talking about Ben Simmons and like. Bruce Brown or Bryce or the coach Brown. But uh, anyway, but that Thunder game is going to be another litmus test of like, okay, yeah. you're, you're in this easy path now and there's no ice on the ground, but then the Thunder come to town. And I, it's interesting to see how they match up against that team because uh, they're, they're fearless. They don't get rattled. That's like the biggest thing well, I take away from watching them. You know, what was encouraging about the Clippers game was like, they come off of basically a preseason game on Friday mm-hmm. against the Blazers and I think we were all kind of thinking it literally when that Blazers game was going on because we're like, I don't want to think about this basketball game I'm watching right now. But you're like, how does... How do you get up for it? Yeah, you know, and, and they did, right? So to that end, even if the Grizzlies game... I mean, again, this is just part of being a good team. It's like you just need to take care of business against the 
terrible team that we don't know any of the players' names on it. And and you just need to take care of business there, rest on Friday, and then, yeah, Saturday matters. Like, they, what is it, two-game lead now, I think, because the Wolves yep, two one and a two clear in the West, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, all things stay the same, and you beat, you know, you beat OKC. Now you put a three-game gap between yourselves and and the Thunder. Given the rate at which the Wolves are winning, yeah, you, you start becoming the clear betting favorite, I would think, for, for the one seed. Maybe, you know, Denver in, in the mix there, too, of course, but... And then maybe that's when you rest, guys, right? This is a marathon. Yeah. It is an 82-game marathon. Yeah. And if they can continue to run at a fast pace, despite – you'll never remember how much they beat the Pistons by. You'll just know they beat them. So if they can continue to win game after game and give themselves some distance in the West, because, again, it's all about getting home court in that first round, maybe second round, third round, uh, then you can kind of ease off a little bit. And I'm sure Finch will, but uh, these games matter still. And that's probably – the best explanation I can give as to why Mike Conley is going to play 28 minutes tomorrow is because they matter. They matter to him. They matter to the standings. And uh, Wolves-Grizzlies on TNT. <laughs> um, well, that's all I got. I, I had Alec Burks as a trade candidate in my in my notes. And then I watched him play. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And I was watching their previous game. He's, called, I, he, he's, he's an interesting one in the sort of shooter-bucket-getter combination. He's not necessarily like a movement shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, type of no, player. He's, he's, he's more of like a contested catch and shoot guy. And I don't know. I I think I want more of the Malik Beasley archetype. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get, I'm not that not to take away from Burks. I actually think Burks is a pretty good player, and he, he was good. Like even before he went to Detroit, he's yeah. good at the Knicks. Um, but I, I was I was watching the the Pistons previous game. And I was thinking about that. And most of us like, okay, that's not a movement shooter. And I think what this team needs is a movement shooter, somebody who can attack space on the perimeter, you know, seek it out for a catch and shoot opportunity. But also, if they get a if they get a shooter guy, I want it to be somebody who just flies off of Rudy Gobert like off ball screens, mm-hmm. you know, just like off ball pin downs, flare actions, all that sort of stuff. Rudy could do Rudy can do that for somebody. There's just nobody on the team really other than maybe Carl, who could do that. And you're not running a lot of four or five pin-down actions. Um, but I just I just started thinking about that. And, you know, I think we're both more on movement shooter than we are on bucket getter yeah. for it. But that that that's kind of what it is. It's just like, man, if, if you just had one of those weapons that, you know, hits one or two of those, and then the defense freaks out to, you know, throw two at him and now Rudy's slipping and the ants wide the lanes wide open for ant, etc. Like I think as of today that that's that's where I'm at. And I just I, I guess I just don't know enough about Alec Burks to know if he's exactly that. I kind of like there's like open knockdown shooter, catch and shoot guys. There's catch and shoot guys who can make it with a hand in their face. And then the third level is they can do all those things plus they can fly off of pin downs like a JJ Reddick, Malik Beasley that type of player. That's the third level. That's a, that's a that's a pretty high bar. I know Malik Beasley. You want, you want a guy that flies. Over, you want yeah. I say the Malik Beasley reunion tour. Uh, you got a guy that can fly around screens and shoot threes and has good chemistry with with Rudy. Bring back Matt Ryan. <laughs> There's your deadline move, baby. Chris Paul, we've we've seen enough of you. Matt Ryan, come back. <laughs> Seven for ten threes against uh, the Nuggets in the finals. Who you got this note, week? Is this it? What's what's the schedule? Uh yeah oh yeah no just. Next next episode will be uh, Jason and I um, after that late 
Grizzlies game on, on Thursday night. Jason and I will record Friday morning. Maybe we'll do it a little bit later because we're going to be up pretty late. Um, but that'll be out sometime Friday afternoon. Uh, Wolves Thunder on Saturday. As of now, I think our plan is to record about that one on uh, on Monday morning. Um, so we'll we'll go from there. But next up is Jace on on Friday afternoon. You're Kyle Tige. I'm Dave. Shout Moore. out Cooper Carlson and Cooper Carlson in the background throwing the questions up there. I appreciate y'all uh, coming on here and listening to us jibber jabber uh, about a a Pistons game. <laughs> uh, this is this is fun to do, Kyle. Thanks for doing it. Peace. Uh, yeah, until Friday with Jay. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.